It is a scam when you don't allow everyone to operate on fair terms. We are the Robin Hoods of sports betting. We take something back from the rich bookies and enable our customers to beat them instead. G'day everyone, welcome to episode 17 of Sunday Streams with Trademate Sports where we answer your betting questions, discuss both new and old betting strategies, talk about how to best use the Trademate Sports software and welcome on guests from around the betting industry. And as you can see today, no better guests than ever, Pete Ling from Smart Betting Club. How are you, mate? Well, what an intro. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, very well, mate. Really pleased to, to join you on the live stream. No, it's awesome, mate. Um, we will be going through a lot today, I guess. I've got my own questions for you. and But the most important thing is everyone can kind of send through their own questions. So for uh, for people who do not know much about SBC or Smart Betting Club, mate, maybe you want to give a quick intro. And if you guys already know quite a lot about Smart Betting Club and Pete, then uh yeah, start firing through your questions and we can get into it, mate. But yeah, quick intro would be superb. Sure. Uh, so Smart Betting Club, we've been around since 2006. Uh, primarily our role is tips reviews and analysis. So we really go in depth on tipsters. You know, we we take like a what used to be more of a, maybe a financial approach, you know, financial analysis approach. We apply that to betting. So we look at all aspects of a tipster's service, mostly performance levels, you know, the only reason someone follows a tipster is to make a profit. So we analyze that. Uh, we do all kinds of analysis, looking at, you know, whether it be odds, bookmakers, staking, plans, whatever it be. Uh, then we look at things like the customer service, the pricing, you know, betting banks. Crucially, also look at odds availability. You know, if if a price that's quoted, how, how long that lasts, or if a line moves very quickly, you know, that's the type of thing we want to get into, both the theoretical and the practical aspects. So that's the main reviews. Um, we then do follow-up reports, which kind of track the ongoing performance of those services we we review. And then obviously we recommend a bunch of what we call our Hall of Fame. So that's the main gist of what we do. And then out, outside of that, we also do like anything that's connected to making the money betting. So whether book, bookmaker stuff, bookmaker reviews, or you know, using software, VPNs, or psychology of betting, that's a huge one. Um, you know, money management. So anything that's connected to helping people your bet sharp, bet smart, like that's what we're here for. Yep, terrific, mate. And I mean, I think people would have heard a lot about you already. We've had you on the podcast about a year, year and a half ago. So um, yeah, for those who have been around for a while, you'd know quite a bit about Pete and Smart Betting Club already, mate. But um, we'll fire into uh, some of the questions. I've just got one comes through here. Oh, here we go. Daniel Chill Gaming, he says... What do you think about wager talk? Average, I assume it means average or good. I don't know. I have no idea what wager talk is. Sorry, Daniel. Great start. <laughs> Terrific, mate. You, I think I think there's know? some kind of like I've heard of them very briefly. I think they might be similar to other like maybe like I think they're like a YouTube channel or maybe they're a uh, like maybe they actually have a television show in America. I think they just do tips and tipping shows and stuff like that maybe like uh i don't know if i'm trying to think of something similar but uh, i think they're quite popular i'm not too sure but yeah I okay haven't. yeah so yeah we're sbc we're more european focused i guess at the moment yeah we have we have plans to kind of branch out into north america because it's obviously legalizing in so many states now even in canada and you know other places that primarily previously betting was the legals but you know in general like the u.s tips to space it seems very different to the european and uk version um, I was looking at a site the other day and it was 
I think um, someone was asking for my opinion and they were charging like a hundred dollars just for one pick, you know, and yeah, uh, it's exorbitant, exorbitant prices like that. So I'm always very wary um, of US. So obviously this is a, you know, obviously some kind of YouTube channel discussing it, but um, it just doesn't seem as mature a market, you know, in terms of the professional side of, of what we look at. Um, so yeah, I can't really, uh, maybe I can research where to talk and get back to you, Daniel. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? They seem to have lots of actual television shows. Like I've heard of ESPN have got actual, like, you know, shows that they have every week talking about betting and on, you know, whatever the sports, the American football or basketball and stuff like that. And it's just, you know, I mean, in Australia, we don't have anything like that. You have to go to YouTube for stuff like that. And I think it's the same in, in the UK and Europe too, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It seems to be you more know, of an American thing, um, like talking, you know, hours and hours to chat just about uh, maybe, I don't know, betting lines or very specific yeah. games. Obviously, you get a lot, you know, um, on Sky and what have you, uh, but not perhaps to the same level of detail. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. All right, mate. I've got some uh, I've got some questions for you. Uh, I'll kick this one off. Let me go. Uh, yeah, so this is an interesting one, and I've noticed it just either following tips as myself or uh, people asking me questions. And I think one of the things that people get lost in is obviously when a, when a tipster like quotes their price, they say bet Arsenal at 2.0, let's just say. Um, a lot of tipsters give a minimum price, but I assume, you know, they might say, but you can back them at 1.9. I, You know, they'll say, yeah, back them at 2, but still back them at 1.9 if you can get that. But they're, they're, I assume all of their records are based off their their top price that they give out. And so if you're talking about someone with a, I don't know, a 5% ROI or something like that, if you take their minimum price on everything, you're probably going to be like, you know, neutral over time or, you know, maybe a slight winner or a slight loser, if you get what I mean. So do you think there's enough, um, I guess, enough knowledge around that? Because, I mean, it just seems like it's kind of like a loosely thrown out thing that a lot of tipsers will just be like, minimum price is this, but that's my top price. And and people are obviously going to be happy to to go and back that 1.9. Yeah, so I think uh, you you talk to most tipsters. Like, I've done a few podcasts and not as many as you, Alex, but I'm, I'm getting there. Um, but I speak, to, I speak to various experts and, you know, they're all like betting on that's a, a diverse range of sports and markets. But they all have one thing in common, that's the, the idea of value. So, you know, you're taking eight to one about uh, a bet that should be seven to one. You know, it's that kind of concept. So inevitably, what they find is they they price up a game, they price up a match, you know, so they know what the true odds should be. So that often, you know, maybe there's a little bit of margin there and just above that is their minimum profitable odds. Um, so what I do find is that increasingly, if they... They, they do quote a base price and that, that's really good to see you know the quote in take 2.1 but don't take any lower than 2.0 um mm. you know to stop people going all the way down because people you know there is a misconception that just take any price this is a great bet it's it's not guaranteed to win it's just a value bet at those odds that are quoted mm. so it's an important point to, to to make clear that um it's not a guarantee a bet's going to win and so certainly adding that in is is really useful i see more and more doing that because especially in markets where, you know, uh, there could be a lot of movement. Um, you know, if, if you're jumping on 30 minutes too late, you, you don't want to, you're going to question, aren't you? Should I take this price? The, the, the original price is gone. Is this still value? So by having that in an email, it's useful. The one exception to the rule is uh, some of the free tipsters that are out there, like 
there's a UK guy called Hugh Taylor who's, who's very good on horse racing. He tips for free on a site called At The Races. His ROI to his advice prices is, is ridiculously good. It has been for years and years, like 30%. But because he's free and he's so popular, like the bookmakers just slash yeah. his odds straight away. You know, he's putting up 16s and everyone's getting 10s. Um, and I questioned to him, like, why don't you put minimum odds on? And he's, it's like, well, the bookmakers, because he's free, they'll just put the minimum odd, their odds just below his minimum one. So if he says, don't take any lower than 10, I'll make it nine. So he's mm -hmm. tried that. Um, so yeah, that's the only uh, real exception to the rule. But um, yeah, most of the time it's really good practice because most tipsters have an idea of what the true odds should be. So there should be no real reason for them to not put that in or some kind of minimum odds to take um, in, in any tip they put forward. Yeah, do you not think that they should maybe, I don't know, put something in brackets every time or something that just says, like, my record is off my top price, if you get what I mean? Because I yeah. guess a lot of – there could be people like <clears> – <throat> I mean, I've had times where I, I live in Australia, so I could be asleep the whole night and wake up to a tip from someone and, uh, you know, it's been eight hours or whatever. And, you know, the only chance I have of getting on ever is the minimum price. Yeah, it should, it should be in there. It, it depends. You know, sometimes you've got different strategies um, where there's a high volume of bets and maybe it's just not practical to put that out. Um, it's, but generally, yeah, where possible, if you're if you don't if you, if you putting out a small number of bets each day and it's manageable to, to put a minimum price, because that's exactly the point. Uh, you're, you're in a different time zone, but it might be somebody is working shifts or somebody is just unavailable for you know, meetings or whatever it is, you know, just life gets in the way. So tips just that allow flexibility um with people to to bet um you know a bit later uh, and still get and understand what the odds should be are, are really valuable yeah um and man another question i guess it's kind of along the the same lines is it's really interesting that like i've actually i've, I've just been on twitter the last couple of weeks or so and i actually noticed that they're actually it's a good sign and there's there's a lot more tipsters out there that actually quote their closing line value or they they kind of mention if they've beat the market or not or you know either way like it's it's just i think it's even though most people don't care about clv the people that followed like most people that follow tips is probably don't care too much they more so care about getting winners i think it's just a good like you know if you're just putting that to the side every every time and mentioning that on the side it's kind of a good thing because it gets people's minds thinking that oh, okay why is this guy talking about beating the market or you know stuff like that do, do you think there should be i mean obviously like when you're doing your reviews you're tracking their their closing line value and stuff like that but it seems that if you don't know, go on something like twitter or something and someone's putting up their results for the month or the week or the weekend that there's never really any mention of like it's always, you know, win, loss, push. Is there's never like, yeah. Uh, it's never like, yeah. I mean, I just, I guess the way I look at things is, I couldn't, I couldn't give two shits basically. That if you want a loss on the weekend, it's, it's all about whether you beat the market or not. So how do you? I don't know. What do you, what do you think about all of that? And like, how you think that space is going? And whether you think that, you know, maybe tipsers should track and and publish their their CLV more regularly. Yeah, they should. They should publish your know, odds availability. You know how the odds move. There's some good tips, especially in the racing world, where odds uh, odds movements are very swift. Um, and obviously, there's issues with restrictions, but more apply there. Uh, where some tipsters actually do, you know, they, they log their prices at different points. That's something we do at first hand in our reviews. We do a big data sample. We look at like 
15 minutes, 60 minutes, close in line, you know, maybe sometimes a day later if it's like a golf tips to tipping up a few days before. So yeah, we 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 explore all, all of that. So um, but it's great to see, you know, I don't think Twitter's the best place for tipsters. You know, like you say, you get a lot of short-termism. Look yeah. what I did in the last 10 days. Uh, well, that's not particularly helpful if you're 10 days prior to that, you, you made a bigger loss. And that's generally what happens. You know, they're cherry-picking, you know, the, the form that suits them and the, the story that makes them look, um, you know, more potent than they actually are. So, you know, and, and there's some good sites out there. You know, like shout out to, to, to Betstamp. You know, they're doing some stuff in the States and... Uh, whereby they're, they're, you know you can log your bets and they're trying to help uh, professionalize and increase education and awareness on like CLV or you know mm. line shopping or whatever it is you know to, to make sure there's a there's a log of bets and people can compare to CLV they compare to different metrics and and look at you know thousands of results from a certain tipster rather than you know last week because like that gets my goat too you know uh, I get some people say uh, look at me I'm so good that I've been you know I've had a phenomenal August now well how was how was June and July, you know? And <laughs> very often it's it's just not up to scratch, and and they think, oh yeah, but my three months overall have been great. And like that's three months, you know, that's nothing in the grand scheme of things. You know, come back when you've got three years, or you know, but even longer if needs be. Um, so yeah, it's good to see, and I think there's always going to be that element of people that you know just kind of give their baseline stats and just kind of try and get away with what they can and attract people so what the more that we can educate and inform people and give them some really it's not difficult you know some of those some of the terms we're talking about some of the key concepts are really quite simple uh, and if we can just show people what they mean and demystify them and explain them then i think it's just going to help you know build a bigger community of informed betters so you get many that approach you to be verified or, or whether it's vice versa, like that have already got all their stats there of their, their CLV and everything like that. Yeah, you do. I do find more and more people come to me without like, sometimes you get people just on a whim saying, I want to try. And generally like that's really, no, no, they never go too far. You know, it's generally the sites that are established and kind of understand what they need to do as a professional service so they, they have a website they keep results and the more detailed the results and the more honest and transparent they are and the more they already have answers to the questions that i would ask the more you know the more likely it is they're going to be a service that is you know going to be one that people are going to be interested in for the long term all right uh daniel chill gaming is back he says question to alex uh, this is this is not all about me, guys. So please send in some questions. <laughs> the <for Alex> Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get the insane good price on Bayern Munich this weekend? I couldn't believe it was around two point one five. Sorry, mate. I, I don't follow the Bundesliga too much, so yeah, I, I didn't at all. Uh, you you a fan of the Bundesliga, Pete? I'm a fan of any league that could turn me a profit, Alex. Um, <laughs> so Funny I way. will bet. I will bet on Tiddlywinks. You know, I will bet on the German tenth division if there's such a division. Um, <laughs> if there's money to be made, if there's an angle to be had. Yeah. So, you know, I, I do enjoy football. Like definitely that's a big sport, but you know, it's another point that I was thinking about the other day. Someone was asking me, it's, um, it's disconnecting. If you like the sport that you like to bet upon or sorry, the sport that you like the most versus the sport that you bet on the most, it's not necessarily going to be the same. Take a sport like NFL, you know, it's back today. Um, and it's hugely popular, but it's damn difficult to beat. I don't know what trade mates ROI and NFL is. Alex, you probably. Oh, jeez, yeah. I mean, I, I all I know, I just started doing some. Um, I did some like big data tool simulations of our results, and yeah, it's very. <clears throat> yeah, there's just certain markets like 
the spread and stuff like that where we we haven't done that well but then you look at over unders and we've been doing quite well so it's hard to it's hard to tell too because we we more so track sharp bookmakers like pinnacle um but then over the years from what i've heard from professional bettors in in america who bet the who bet the big us sports is that they've kind of the limits of pinnacle have decreased significantly so they've kind of moved their action over to bet chris so i mean i'm i'm assuming i mean pinnacle's still very sharp obviously when it comes to those major us sports but if you want to i guess be as sharp as possible then you'd probably be looking at something like bet chris but yeah i mean it's 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 really it's it's crazy though like it, it sounds like everyone maybe it's just a round one thing or a match day one whatever they call it um but yeah i was i was listening to a few people who were saying a few days out from the season like three days out from the season that like the lines won't move from here like they're already like in position Mm -hmm. like there's no way they're going to move from here which is which is crazy to think because if you if you look at something like football it's you know it's we're talking an hour before kickoff like when the teams come out yeah you can't really you the market is the market is not efficient until you know maybe a couple of minutes before the game starts yeah it's the same with like horse racing you know until the money comes in and so many late variables come into question it's probably not the same for nfl like uh, i'm not a big watcher or a fan of nfl you know uh, cars on the table and that one it's just not a sport that's ever engaged me but my, i kind of my point was like some people are huge fans i totally appreciate that they love they live for you know sundays and they live for the watching uh, nfl but it doesn't it's very difficult to make a profit on you know from my experience and talking to other people and the tips have explored sometimes those are some of the side markets that people are making a profit on but the main ones like the the handicaps and the spreads whatever that they're, they're just uh, the under over and unders they're just not um they're just not very easy to profit from so it's it's disconnecting the fact that you like a sport and you love watching it from the fact that you should bet on that and make a profit like my, my favorite sport like is i can't believe in telling us this my favorite sport is cricket you know I, um well <laughs> I, I can't man. tell you no 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 cricket chat but I so. <laughs> Yeah, um, we'll see we'll see the numbers uh dwindle down pretty quickly when we start talking about cricket <laughs> okay yeah yeah okay let's move on but my point was <laughs> i can't remember the last time i bet on it right it's my favorite yeah. sport like i love watching it well, the last time i bet i can't tell you but i will bet on you know sports maybe my interest level is lower like a golf or tennis but you know actually you do start to appreciate sports a bit more when you bet upon them but uh yeah it's like disconnect don't always think that you know some of the most popular sports like football nfl like nba i guess they're all really really difficult because there's so much money traded on them to, to profit from the from the main leagues or the main markets um so it's worth that's just a point i wanted to i was thinking about earlier this week well probably a good follow-on question from that is that you get lots of people now that the you know the markets are so big and efficient especially in america now that the legalization is growing people are i guess moving into there's i just i just hear like more i guess bigger chat about uh player props and, and betting those kind of markets instead do you have you do you have many people that you've been um yeah proofing that have just been doing player props because i guess that's a kind of a whole different ball game in terms of like you know metrics you can look at especially with like you know beating the market and stuff like that like that that kind of data of beating the beating the market's probably not as readily available as like you know some of the bets on asian handicaps or one x twos and stuff like that 
Well, across the board, you know, whatever sport it is, generally, if you start going into the smaller markets, whether it's smaller leagues or some of the side bets and some of the main leagues, that's where you're going to find the profit. The quid pro quo to that is you're not going to find the liquidity. You're not going to find it as easy to get your bets down. You know, you could get, obviously, you said the limits at Pinnacle are now smaller, but you can get on with bet, Chris. But, you know, you can generally get on a lot on some of these main markets about huge issue. You're not really going to get restricted very quickly betting on Premier League games, you know, if at all. But you are, maybe if you're making a profit in League Two or... The national league or the spanish second division you might have more of an issue like when you start to go down the pyramid so it's just trying to find that trade-off between um you know a market where you can make an edge but also a market where you, you've got lots of options and you're not going to attract too much attention because you're taking uh you know some very sharp bets where they, they they're not really that interested um so yeah it's nfl like there was there has been some people doing stuff like anytime uh touchdown scorers for example bets like that um but uh, yeah it's it's on futures things like that too um and a bit of a mix of you know some of the main bets and mix of some of the side bets like like say touchdowns and, and stuff like that but generally yeah it's um it's, it's very it's a very tough nut, nut to crack that one i'm afraid so uh but it doesn't stop millions and millions of people betting on it every week it seems yeah have you have you started yeah. to move more into the american market now there are more more testers you're you're proofing now that are from america uh, not really no i'm trying to trying to kind of explore it a little bit it's a big market obviously and there's a lot of uh, established sites already within it uh, but um it doesn't seem to have the you know in the european the uk side of it there's a lot of information that you can gain uh, you can access and you can learn about and you can find a lot of professional uh, sites and well-run places where you can get informed information whether it be sbc or you know trade mate you've got a great blog and you do all your podcasts and there's lots of other resources like that I, I feel like there's less in the us and there's more you know in terms of maybe the more scammy kind of stuff going on um and people are willing to pay ridiculous amounts of money and maybe just less educated on, on betting and mathematics and bankroll management and just simple stuff like that so um yeah it's just I'd love to do more on it, but it's, it's a vast, it's a vast country, and there's there's tons of stuff, you know, betting wise, whether it be wager talk that I've not heard of or something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, all right, guys, keep keep uh, sending through your questions. I'll I'll keep rifling questions at Pete, but uh, yeah, if you've got anything on your mind, any questions about tipsters, or I mean, the man knows everything about betting, so you can ask him anything, and uh, he'll be keen to answer. Um, my next question, and, and I think this is a really interesting topic and kind of something that it frustrates me a little bit, but I'd love to get your thought on it. Um, people, people who say like, why do you sell your picks if you're, if you're winning yourself? Uh, I won't give you my opinion on that question, but, uh, uh yeah, I'll let you go first and we can go, go discuss it after that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a simple supply and demand, uh, question, you know, um, People sell picks are answering a problem, a solution to a problem. The problem being people don't know how to make a profit betting. To do so, to make a profit betting is really hard. You know, very small percentage of people actually do. And then an even smaller percentage actually make a significant sum of money. Um, and it's no it's no shame to, to not be able to, to do well at betting. You know, it's you need the skill element. And that's very difficult to come across. Often that's, you know, maybe you played poker for years or you worked um, in a trading department um and you know you've learned from that and it's taken you know many many hours of trading or many many hours of working with other people to understand uh and often as again it's hard work you know there's a lot of hard work and time that goes into it so that skill and time element 
um, means that it rules a lot of it rules it out for a lot of people who don't have either of those things. Um, so therefore, people come to look for tipsters to help them, uh, and it's just that solution to that problem. And yeah, people can debate it as much as they want. It's just it's not going to go away. So it's about making the market, you know, more professional and providing platforms to give people education and information that helps them be a better, better without, you know, taking advantage of them and to take, you know, to stand against their bookmakers, you know, cause we all like to take uh, pick a fight with bookmakers, but rightly so, you know, they're, they're a greedy bunch and generally fairly unregulated and they take advantage of, of betters, you know, they, whether it be delaying withdrawals or whatever it is, you know, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of need for, to help, to help uh, inform better. So yeah, people are just always going to pay for, for tips. And the other thing I'd say, Alex, is, um, you know, one of the other questions, I don't know if there's a follow-up one that you're going to say, but people say, why don't they just bet them themselves? And yeah, that, in, in that's, that's yeah. more what I was getting at. I just, yeah, anyway, keep going. <laughs> no, sorry. Um, no, and, and, and inevitably, people do, you know, like people I know that run these services do bet themselves, but generally it becomes a limit what you can get down or what you're comfortable to get down or what you can get down. So, and also... The betting income is it's not linear you know you could you could make five grand one month and then lose it the next and make five grand the third month so that doesn't really help you you know it's not a very stable way of generating an income so sometimes people if they're already doing the work uh people can you know, get their bets down and they get good volume down then why not sell it builds them a business gives them maybe more of a stable income and you know they're building something long term more sustainable for them uh because you never know with betting you know you might get closed off you might get your account's done and then you know uh, it becomes tricky to to get down so having a way a bit of a business that can you know help uh, take advantage of your skills and, and and the expertise you've learned i don't think there's there's much wrong with that so yeah that's that's my thoughts on that that question yeah i think it's i think it's like one of the stupidest arguments ever it's like why do you sell your picks if you're winning with them yourself it's like well i mean because because i can i can make more money by doing that yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. like you know even even if they even if they were betting them at all of their all of their bets it doesn't matter if they're betting them or not like this is a we're talking about a stable income here in an environment that is just about the most unstable job you could have in the world which is just betting your betting your own stuff you know by yourself with you know whatever bookmakers you have but i think like especially someone that's like imagine if you just i'm not if you just started betting but someone that maybe has like a really low risk tolerance or they just have a really small bankroll or maybe they just don't want to they don't ever want to have a big bankroll and they just want to be betting a hundred or two hundred dollars every every time like you know those people can't make a full-time living from from sports betting so so why not supplement i just don't i don't see the argument i mean i understand like if you got someone like a a Tony Bloom or a you know Matthew Benham that's just like they can just go to the Asian markets and put down as much as that you know they they're betting the big markets Asian handicaps and over unders like but they're the you know they're such an anomaly they're like the you know the zero point one percent of the world so mm -hmm. so for people that are you know <clears throat> have got a small bankroll and. I mean, what a like that could be like their way of supplementing their bankroll growth is by selling their stuff, and it's not like, you know, people have to buy the picks. It, 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 like you said, it is, it's kind of a supply demand thing. If people don't want the picks, then they just they they won't buy them. So it's not yeah. like it's a, yeah. I don't know. I think it's a I think it's a stupid argument, mate. Well, I think there is an element of there's definitely is an element of the industry uh, which is rogue. You know, where people 
do what they can and try and rip you off and rip off customers and make false promises and just be deceitful in general. So that's probably where it comes from. But there is still an element, a growing element, I dare say, which professionalizes it, where you've got well-run businesses and well-run and likable people who are professional and good customer service, whereby they are selling their advice for the reasons we outline and that they shouldn't all be lumped together. It's like, you know, not, not all estate agents or realtors are all, you know, charlatans or not all lawyers are all sharks, you know, it's just like uh, in every, and in many walks of life, you get uh, some areas of professionals with a bad reputation and that's not to tie everyone with the same brush. Yeah. Um, I've got, uh, I've got, sorry, I've got Anthony Kaminskas messaging me here. He's wondering oh. how to, how to comment on the stream, but I have those questions. He's a bit of an old timer, so maybe uh, Anthony, you can you can send your questions through on my phone here if you like, mate, or you can I don't know. I guess you just go to the go to the comment section on YouTube. You can do it like everyone else does it, mate. Uh, <laughs> we've got uh, Chris Lewis here. He goes, "Hi, I've literally just started following Trade Mate in the past week. I've been arbitrage betting full time for a long time, and am used to the account used to the account." restrictions but it seems just impossible to keep any accounts open following the trade mate bets i'll be trying to operate solely using betfair exchange for my bets are there any other outs for the uk punters with sharp bookies i, I don't you're probably best asking you this mate like what are the are there any sharp options for uk betters out there uh not uh not officially i would say um there has been a few that have tried and then failed you know uh black type spring to mind they tried to do like a guarantee of some kind they he did it for a little while and a blaze of well a blaze issue of publicity and uh it didn't work uh inevitably um you need uh legislation for all bookmakers to allow sharp punters to get on otherwise one company does it just get filled in um so they tried and a few other people have tried like some other guarantees etc uh just you know really not well used not well advertised um so there are some options you know i know pinnacle on um official like license in this country but i read some articles i think it was i can't remember the website maybe smart sport trader where they were talking about using the spot sport market and there are some available but like there is a question mark over you know how safe they are to use from and also the legality of using them so i don't you know recommend them i can't because i you know officially i'm not sure that i'm not sure if they're allowed to trade or allowed to to to, to engage with uk customers plus even if you did there has to be a question mark of how safe are your funds so uh unfortunately no since pinnacle left and the high fees that uh the uk regulator wanted it seems for for them and others to operate uh, yeah it's not been appealing to people uh to, to get down but some people do are able to do it um so definitely um i think it's smart sport trader have a look i think sport market pro uh, i think they reference them and maybe a couple other companies that are willing to take uk customers but i don't use them myself. oh that's good because oh, I, I last time i checked sport market pro at least when i was living in um in europe that they didn't they didn't accept uk customers but obviously maybe that's something that's adapted uh, it, may be, it might not be them. It might be another one. Maybe you confuse them. Is it FOD or someone like that? Yeah. Oh, so, no, yeah. I think I might what? have. Is, is it not? Is it Asian Connect? Is it, or I could be talking. I don't know. Yeah, that's one. But again, you know, Alex, it's a grey area. And, you know, there's question marks over the 
you know the regulation the legality of using them and uh, the safety of your funds so i can't recommend you go check it out but there are some sites out there some reputable sites that i put some stuff out there but it's not something i i you know I, I felt confident enough to advise people on yeah all right um and yes anthony has phoned in his question because uh he can't figure out how to use the comment section so here we go he goes question for peter can you tell us about the origins of smart betting club when did it start why how quickly you got it off the ground etc cetera, etc cetera. and he's got a he's got a question for me here too he says do you dye your hair which is just absolutely ridiculous <laughs> i don't know what is going on about this is all natural mate it's all beautifully natural but uh Just maybe you... <laughs> um yeah you can go mate answer anthony's question <laughs> yeah so I, I started well i started at the time a business partner and uh we set it up uh with the viewpoint of applying like some of the financial uh the way you, know, you read reports on stocks and trade stocks and shares and trades and stuff like that we he came more from that background so he was doing charting with candlesticks all this kind of financial modeling and he just you know i was i was the one who's more interested in betting and then from that uh we built up the smart betting club we actually saw some uh a similar review site and i was using some tips at the time we're doing quite well uh with one called equine investments who's still going and um i knew which ones were good and which one weren't so great and I remember reading this 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 newsletter and they were selling some product that i knew was just flawed and but they were promoting it to the higher heavens and i you know i did some research it's clearly they were getting a kickback from publishing a positive review about a product even though it wasn't great so well, all these things combined and then you know we set up the secret betting club then we came smart betting club and uh yeah, it's just snowball from there really we didn't know what the demand would be what people would be interested in and you know it quickly developed a bit of a platform and uh you know uh, the independent model we had that from from day one um mm. and the goal was the goal has always just been to help people with their betting you know we were doing it and i am doing it uh still doing it and still invested in it still interested in it it, it, it intrigues me and i've always loved numbers i've always loved stats probability and the psychology of, of betting and um it's just grown from there with that goal to to help people um so does that answer anthony's questions do you think oh, just the head i want hey who knows man <laughs> he'll, he'll send through a telegram soon mate, and let me know how good it was <laughs> <laughs> no it's very interesting when you when you guys got started were you kind of the first you know one of the first out there in terms of proofing tipsters or were there a few other players around already yeah, there's been a few, uh, like Racing Index is still around, I think. Um, Racing Indexes was more automated, so it didn't allow the flexibility that we could provide. You know, we would, you'd have to go to Racing Index and log a bet, et cetera, whereas we, you know, you could send it through in a spreadsheet or an email and we'd be able to track it through that. So that gave us a bit of a heads up on that, um, our advantage on them, that flexibility. And even now, you know, I get people saying, I want to prove by Telegram or some people want to prove, you know, by, you know, by discord or email so having that flexibility as the market adapts is important because you know um discord for example is growing in popularity for uh you're providing better advice it's a direct way to to communicate with people um like telegram is definitely growing in in, in popularity you know emails being a little bit, little bit unreliable and you know telegram giving a push message to your phone a little bit easier than maybe a mm. 
your email account where you're going to get all your emails coming through with a push. So yeah, um, yeah, it's 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 got it's, um, you just have to evolve like just with with betting itself and what you bet upon. It's just uh, adapting the business as people prove in different ways. Yeah, nice, mate. Um, Chris Lewis is back. He says, uh, when betting with the exchanges and a price edge is suggested in a low liquidity market, are you better off dripping in a, a, a dripping a stake in or just trying to match it off ASAP? Do you do much, uh, much trading, mate, and experience in this kind of realm of things? Not trading, not to not to trade a profit. I just place a you know, try and get the best price for my bet. Um, it depends if it's low liquidity. Is it going to build up, you know, or is it just going to be low liquidity until kickoff? You know, uh, talking about like golf markets, like I do a lot of golf. I can speak from that. Like kind of Monday evening, Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon from the European tour events, you might get very little liquidity on a, especially in the place markets, even the win market. You've got you know 140 golfers, and you've got maybe. I don't know, 50 grand traded. And so it's not much per, per golfer, maybe a little bit more traded. And then, so I, people, I do find there's big gaps between, you know, the, the back and lay. And and if you compare the prices with what's on odds check or what should be about right, you can sometimes see people just taking silly prices. So if you wait on that market, then you'll inevitably get the prices that generally you want. Sometimes you'll get a little bit more on one, maybe a little bit lower on some others, depends on the support uh, in, in the market. But and it needn't be, you know, you need to wait until the, the event starts itself. Just by being a little bit more patient as more money flows into the market and it becomes uh, more efficient. Um, it's got, you know, the right overround for, for the number of uh, outcomes for that market. So, yeah, it depends, you know, low liquidity one, it's, 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 if it never improves in liquidity, it's, it's a tricky one. You know, it's chicken and the egg. What, what do you want to do? Maybe you want to take both sides. You want to bet a little bit earlier, bet a little bit in the middle, bet a little bit at the end and just build up over time and get an idea of when the optimal time to bet is. You know, I've done that myself. With, I've been doing that myself with golf. You're mm. just keeping a record of when I bet and what odds I get and then comparing to see, you know, what's the optimal time? You know, is it midday on Wednesday or is it eight o'clock on a Tuesday night? You know, what's going to be the best time for to, to place a bet? And, and, never, and, and generally, it, it's you have to judge it market by market. Yeah, no, interesting, mate. Uh Chris also said, I've noticed that the Asian suggestions get hovered up quite quickly. What is the minimum edge you would suggest if paying a 2% commission? I guess this is uh, quite trade mate related. Um, yep. I'm just trying to understand the actual question. Uh, I don't understand what you mean by Asian hovered up quite quickly. What is the minimum edge you would take? Handicaps. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Uh, I guess if you're paying a 2% commission, I mean, it's hard to say because all the markets are just completely different. I mean, I spent with with uh, betting the exchanges using TradeMate, Chris, I would I'd just spend a lot of time on the big data tool and, and seeing what's been working because um, it's going to be different for each market, whether it's recommended leagues or, or non-recommended leagues. Uh, odds type markets, all that kind of stuff. So you're probably going to have to spend a decent amount of time on the and and sports too. Like you know, there's some sports we've got absolutely no sample size for. So um, yeah, mate, spend some time doing some research. I know it's not fun, but it's uh, it's definitely uh, worth your time because you don't want to be entering a market where it might be a bit tough. Because the exchanges are just, 
I don't know what you think, Pete, but like when you're when you're just backing, backing, you know, if you're just treating an exchange like you would a normal sports book, it's kind of a completely completely different market, isn't it? Because everyone's kind of there for different reasons. Mm, yeah, and it's you've got to be you've got to be you know aware of what your value odds are and the the impact of commission on it. Mm. Um, I know Smarket there's a zero percent commission offer. I think you join. I can't remember the the website. Um, one of the one of the match betting sites, um, and you can yeah you can sign up through that, and uh, you just have to maintain your subscription to them. You get zero percent commission. So you know if mm. Chris is worried about two percent, and he should rightly be because it makes it it doesn't sound much, but it's like when financial advisors you know they say oh invest with us and you'll only pay two percent commission. It doesn't sound much, but you know they know it's it's a lot, especially when you get to big sums of money. Uh, and you're trading a lot so yeah check out check out this markets one and uh you know betfair betfair has not got betfair was down again yesterday wasn't it they, they, they they're struggling to make many friends at the moment and uh their altus <laughs> doesn't help <laughs> so yeah yeah no i heard about that um what what about proofing tips is that this is one of my other questions i had for you people mm -hmm. that if, if you've got a tipster coming to you that's you know got a you know, huge. Well, let's just say they beat the market by ten percent. I know that's bloody huge and probably unrealistic, but let's just say you know they're beating the market by ten percent, but they've got an ROI of one percent or something like that. Maybe they've got a a decent sample size, not too big, not too small. Like, how would you approach proofing them? And like, would you would you be happy to, I guess, proof a tips like that and say, yeah? We recommend these guys 100%, even though maybe the ROI is very, very small. But you can see that, you know, maybe over time, because they've been bidding the market so well, that they're going to be, yeah, profitable long term. Because, I mean, it's probably going to be quite hard for you to argue that point to the uneducated sports, mm. you know, sports better that, like, yeah, this person's not really making that much money. But, you know, we've we've verified this person. Yeah, so you often find, you know, uh, what you actually find is more people are tips that are overperforming. You know, it's like that survivorship bias where, you know, you get a thousand guys trying to make a profit and you're just going to get a proportion of them that are profitable just by luck. So um, generally you get those guys who start really well and then drop down. So it's it's rarer to get someone that's kind of underperforming like that, uh, doing really well or getting a lot of traction, I suppose, from an interest. Um, yeah, it's tricky. Uh, you know, you just need to... We do a lot of the what I call advanced tips to analytics. Uh, run the Monte Carlo simulations, so um, that helps with some advanced uh, outputs. You know, like p-values. Um, we're looking at like risk reward, uh, capital risk, um, dispersion factor, sharp ratios, things like that, which help provide an informed opinion. And compare, comparing like the Monte Carlo millions and millions of you know results and examples with what's achieved live, you can generally get a sense of. You know if if what we've seen so far is better than what we can see long term and 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 the opposite as well if like they're underperforming um there's one that springs to mind actually it's called the uh, wisdom of the crowds and um you may have seen it it's like joseph bookdale's theory uh or his approach and then there's a guy who's been following it in practice and i think the theory was it should make five percent but then for the longest time it was at like two three percent um and then obviously, you know, when you factor in the cost of, or I think it was like 2% charged off the top of it for using it. Uh, and then it bumped up, you know, and it's now at 5% over, I don't know, over any 20,000 bets. But yeah, you know, you've got a, you've got a 
decent sample size, but it was still massively underperforming. So with stuff like that, it's just about yeah, running the stats and then generally it's about keeping patient and just seeing what happens long term. Um to see if that edge manifests itself because you're really not going to recommend something until you see it manifest itself because there could be something else that is warping things in some way that you're not aware of um mm. so you never want to recommend something until you actually see it on paper and you actually see those results you know come through what about the other i guess yeah scenario where you've got someone with a very high ROI? let's say it's a huge sample size 10,000 bets or something ridiculous like that, which you probably don't come across. But um, yeah, five, let's just say 10% ROI over 10,000 bets. But they, they let's just say they got negative CLV or on a big market like, you know, Asian handicap over under these kind of markets. How would you, how would you approach that? Yeah, you don't see too many with like a huge sample size like that. Um, that has, I think there's some examples. I think you, is it Nishikori, the tennis guy? He's been mm. spoken about. And there's a few others, I think, over time that I can't recall who they are, but I remember seeing some where like there was a bit of a query over over that for that reason. Um you don't see too many, but yeah, it's, it's sometimes you get those outliers, don't you, where it just doesn't resonate. You know, with with CLV as well, it really depends on the market you're you're betting within. Um so you know, we're talking about NFL and backing on the handicaps or you know, backing over unders and in football markets they're just popular bets and they're great for clv but when you get markets with many different you know entrants to it like a golf market or a horse race sometimes it's it's not as efficient a comparative tool so it really does depend upon on the market and like the trade mate markets that's absolutely where you're going to use clv but i imagine if you got involved with some of those other sports it would be less meaningful so yeah it's uh, um tipster to tipster yeah okay what about a i guess a soccer tipster then that was just tipping over unders then how would you okay how would you approach a you know decent doesn't have to be ten thousand, but a big sample size where they're they've got a big roi but they've got no closing line value at all yeah it would be it'd be unique you know we have seen a few uh and then you you have to question why that is and you just raise that as a question and you want to see uh, long term if there's any any reason for that it could be like they're tipping in like they say less liquid markets maybe they're tipping in not going into the big markets where there's a ton of money and clv is really useful because it's such an efficient market but if they're going into smaller markets um which inevitably you find with like football tips just because um it's very hard to make a profit like a, you know betting in the premier league or, or mm. even the championship any of those top leagues it's damn hard to make a more than maybe a couple of percent ROI at best. So inevitably you find the tipsters focus on, I don't know, smaller leagues like a Dutch league or something like that, whereby maybe there's not as much money and therefore that could be one reason. That certainly could be one reason. But um you know there probably comes a point where you think uh I can't recall seeing it, but where you you go I've got a huge data sample and it's just not it's profitable, but we're not seeing like the edge on the closing market. Like it's a bit of a conundrum like with the tennis guy. It's just a it's yeah. a conundrum why, why why that is the case and yeah it's, it's it's beyond it's beyond most of us to 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 work that one out i think yeah well the the tennis market's just i mean nishikori has been great in the sense that i feel like he was you know one of the reasons like everyone kind of found out that the tennis market's just a weird inefficient market because you can have such yeah. a such a big sample size but um mm. yeah and not be beating the market and and still do 
quite well. But um, no, mate, you've answered you've answered most of my questions here today. So that's been uh, terrific. Anyone else that's got any questions for Pete, uh, send them through. But maybe in the meantime, you can kind of tell us are there any like you know uh, plans coming up for SBC? Any uh, any project new projects coming up that are that you want to mention to everyone? Uh, well, it's it's just more of the same in terms of reviews. You know, we've got some really good reviews coming up. Um, we're seeing more and more sites which are a bit like TradeMate, you know, where it's um, where we're seeing it's not so much traditional tips. It's more like a platform and a tool where you can use it and generate the bets when you're ready or for the accounts that you have or for the risk profile you have. Uh, and they're really useful because, you know, everyone's circumstances are different and, uh, you know, you can, you can tailor it to, to suit you. So there's a bunch of stuff on that. Um, got some... We've done a lot on golf and in the past uh, and we've got more to come because um today actually we had a couple of big wins of some of the free tips as we have on site on golf the one and two um and uh we've got a few more sites that have been proven for a while that have got a really good golf record we've got three golf tips there doesn't work with us but we've we've kind of uncovered them um they've got a tremendous record like so you know one of the best ones out there is ben ben coley from the sporting life he's a he's had a phenomenal year he's had a phenomenal like four or five years since we've kind of been tracking him. Um, and he's superb and, you know, his type of guy could probably charge an absolute fortune for his advice <laughs> if he if he went solo um, uh, from, from sporting life. And, uh, yeah, so there's, there's plenty of really good reviews to come up. And, um, you know, it's just really encouraging to see so many new sites, well-run sites, and, you know, more detailed, more, more – um, platforms where people are really investing money to build them and to spend to you know, to provide a really intuitive platform where you can log in and tailor it and maybe the scraping odds feeds and that they spent a lot of money on it um versus you know maybe just a, a guy setting up a, a myspace account or whatever it was back in 2006 and uh you know trying to think about three serve or whoever it was uh, and saying i'm a tipster and he does it in the evenings a lot of the time these days it's full-time enterprises with big teams um so uh, it's great to be able to review a lot of those platforms because um, they, they offer a lot of value. Yeah, nice. Uh, Anthony's back in my uh, in my phone messages. Here he goes. What's your What's your biggest win, mate? Your biggest loss? <laughs> your worst bad beat? Uh, and yeah, maybe just go with those three to start with, mate. Biggest win? I've had a bunch of five figure wins. Um, I don't have a not had a six figure win. Or seven figure win, you know, not not, not quite Anthony's level. <laughs> um, the best win, the best win was I was thinking about this earlier because I thought it might come up. Best win, uh, I went away last November with the family, and um, like we were at Airbnb for like a week in between lockdowns, and it was great, you know, get a bit of time out. And uh, my job was to load the car, and you know, while everyone's getting ready, we're leaving the Airbnb, loading the car, get it loaded. And then, like, are you ready to go? No, not ready to go. And uh, the change in the bit. I've done my car, so I think I'll just place a few bets. I did a whole bunch of racing bets and then forgot about it, drove home, um, you know, chaos, everyone in the car. Couldn't go into the service station because, you know, it was all locked down. So I, I remember eating my burger at the service station with the dogs trying to eat it. And, you know, so it's it's kind of like chaos. Get home, get back, and then I log into my car. And I'm, Fucking hell, what's going on here? And then... Um, <laughs> All, all the bets have copped, like, and I had a huge win. Uh, I'd totally forgotten about it all day. You know, it's probably when I was driving home or one of the kids was screaming or something like that. They actually all won. I knew nothing about it. You know, stuff like that. Normally, you watch every single race, yeah. and then you see the first few, and then you're on tenterhooks, and I'm like, oh, 
I didn't have a clue. So that was, you know, that was, I don't know if, I don't know if I'll, that'll ever happen again, but that, that was, uh, that was a really good win. That was really enjoyable because most of the time you're kind of watching it with your finger hovering over the, the trade out button or whatever, or, or lay button to, to lock in a profit. Um, so what are the other questions there? Bad uh, loss? Biggest loss and uh, worst bad beat. Um, so biggest loss, yeah. Um, I bet a lot of volume rather than high high figures and like you know some of the other guys so biggest loss that i generally don't can't think of anything where you know i've had um like one big big bet that's not come in because often the time it's lots and lots of small bets that all combine and they're just kind of having a bad run i think i did really badly around the time of the us masters and i was like it was a shot away from winning you know a, another big five figure sum or losing high four figures and it was that difference you know it's just the worst kind of beat when you're kind of in the lead um and uh you know you you, you think you've got it home and host and then everything conspires against you and the one guy you don't want to win comes through uh, and uh, that was frustrating and there's been a few like that where especially with golf you know like on a sunday sunday evening you switch off or whatever and you think you've got it in the bag and then you, you log on later or in the morning and then yeah it all falls to pieces so uh, they're always the worst beats, you know, when you're in the lead, um, and uh, and uh, you know it's just all falls apart uh, like that. So don't like to don't like to dwell on them too much. But yeah, generally it's low volume. It's it's lots of lots of smaller bets that that I do. So I never get like the big five grand one, you know, one one big five grand loss on a bet, for example. So yeah, all right. And uh, he also asks, what's your five year plan? Five year plan. <laughs> Like Stalin, um, you're in an interview, mate. So just be careful. What I, you know, say. I know, I uh, know. Working for AK Bets, it seems. Um, <laughs> uh, five year plan, yeah. Um, like I do want to get into the US space. That's definitely a part of the my remit to, to do that. Um, with with one thing or another, in the last twelve to eighteen months, it's not been possible with lockdown and all the challenges of that. Um, but that's that's my plan. Um, all the while built scaling up my scaling up my my betting um i'm doing more and more if i can you know with exchanges or asians and and, and things like that um but scaling that up because with those things and it's um it takes time you know you need it's you're often making a low roi so um you need to really build up your bankroll and uh you know, get to a point where you can you know where two percent is is a really high it's, you know you're putting a lot of volume through to get to make two percent really worthwhile so for me, it's that challenge of continually really building that up uh, personally with, with the betting. And, and um, but for SBC, yeah, it's to, to break into to the USA to, to really build on the UK stuff and the European stuff and kind of establish ourselves um, as, you know, as a, as a really number one resource for people who are sharp betters and then to try and see if we can achieve the same for, for the US market. Awesome, mate. Um, I'll just give a last call for people to send through their questions. Uh, in the meantime, maybe you want to just let people know where they can find SBC. Um, oh, yeah, or get in touch with you and all the good stuff. Yeah, smartbettingclub.com. Uh, that's the website. Um, you know, we're on Twitter, SBC, at SBC Info. You can contact me, Pete, at smartbettingclub.com. YouTube, we're trying to build up There's a lot of interesting stuff on YouTube. We're trying to do some video uh, interviews. Um, so yeah, you can get them on YouTube, Smart Betting Club. And again, also podcasts, like I said, we're doing a few of them. We've got about 22, 23 in the can so far. 
um and uh yeah you can you can listen to them There's a lot of interviews with people like uh you know trying to get some guests that no one's had on before uh and try and sometimes it's a bit of a challenge to try and convince some people to come on and try and organize to get them to come on because you know they're sometimes the people that don't really want to um are busy maybe or they just you don't want to reveal too much but with a bit of coercion sometimes and building a relationship you can you can get them on so yeah we're trying to trying to get a bit more on, on the podcast side so go check them out if you're if you're interested in that yeah and i highly recommend pete's podcast smart betting club podcast it's uh it's been a terrific listen over the past year or however long it's been that you guys have been going so yeah highly recommend listening to that and i concur with your point about getting people to come on the podcast it's a uh, it's a tiresome <laughs> task mate <laughs> exactly exactly um daniel chill gaming has asked how many hours before kickoff do you normally place your bets is that for you alex is that trade me um i mean mine's no let's let's just go with you mate i've mentioned that a million times <laughs> Uh, it, it really depends. It depends on the market, you know, so um, you don't want to be betting really too much into illiquid markets. It depends where you want to get most of your bets down. If you're uh, if you're betting on the exchange, you're not going to get much down if there's not much money there. But if you're looking to get the majority on on a bookmaker, you don't really want to tip the hat by you know, putting a load of money into a, li a liquid market on Betfair. Bookmakers will go, oh, right, we'll, we'll slash our odds. So um it really depends on uh, on where you where you're betting and what the leagues are, but inevitably, you know, if you like, you know, Alex, if your tips is beating closing line and he's putting forward the odds that you should take, uh, you want to take them earlier uh, where, mm. as best you can. Uh, but if that's not feasible, then you know you might have to wait a bit, a little bit, uh, a little bit later. So it's it's very hard to give a one size fits all question for um, how many hours before do you place bets because it depends on the league, the market, the sport. So. Yeah, I think if you if you're just if you're not using like a software like TradeMate or if you're yeah if you're just betting something because you price something higher than it than it should be, it's it's always a bit of a a tricky game sometimes to kind of figure out the best times to back it because if, if you kind of got to use your own intuitive thinking, don't you think? Like if you think there's you know the price is just way too big, like you just they almost like they've made a mistake, then you're probably best backing it as soon as possible but if it's a case where you're maybe not too sure if there's an edge there or not or maybe you think there's an edge there but you kind of think the market's gonna miss it by the time the game starts if you get what i mean then maybe the market will move towards the other side and you can get an even bigger price it's it's a bit of it's a bit of game of cat and mouse i guess but do you have any yeah do you have any thoughts on that oh and what what was the question sorry yeah, I, I guess just Probably. like if if you, I guess generally, let's just say you price something at two in odds, but you can get mm -hmm. two point two now. But do, do do you just race out and grab the two point two? If it, or is there cases where you think I actually don't think the the market's going to pick up on what I'm thinking or something like that, and and maybe I'll just wait and see if I can get a bigger price. Uh, well, the, the approach that I generally take, I'm not the tipster, you know, I'm not the, the expert, mm -hmm. so I would. If that's what I'm being advocated to pick up, then I would grab it. You know, if it's someone I trust or you know someone I'm following, inevitably it generally is. So I just take it, um, assuming that the tips have seen the market in question and observed it and said, "Yeah, go grab the 2.2." Um, sometimes, yeah, you, you can you can find some extra value around and, and go and snaffle it while you can. Um, it's it's not it's not too often that happens. You know, the bookmakers like to copy Betfair and then mimic it themselves and never like to 
put their head above the parapet. But um, when it does, go grab it. Yeah. Uh, Tom Payne says, have you got a not any more pro punters on the SBC podcast coming up? If so, who? Yeah, I've got, I just did one. I've done a bunch this week, actually. Um, I got Steve Lewis Hamilton coming back on, um, who I had, who's like a really Lewis Hamilton. Re- yeah, not, no, Steve Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> not, yeah. I know, exactly. <laughs> I was like, geez, you guys have, uh, you've really built a solid platform there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, God, isn't, is it just me? Is F1 really, really boring? I, mean, I watched it last week. <laughs> the first race I've watched, I can't remember where. My wife loves it. And she was like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're watching it. I was like, literally no one has overtaken anyone. This whole race, no yeah. one has overtaken. So I, I got into the, uh, what's the series called? The Netflix series that they started, uh, you know, the documentary about the F1. And I was, I think it's like one of the best documentaries I've ever watched. And I've loved watching that. Uh, and then I think last year I was like, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll watch a race. This is when I was in living in uh, in Europe, so it was like you know, and at a normal time. Now it's like in Australia, it's at like three or four o'clock in the morning or something. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll watch this race. I put it on for like a couple of laps. I was like, geez, I mean, it's it's <laughs> not a, it's obviously of it starting watching the start is is very much you know that's yeah. good fun because there's probably going to be a bit of drama uh so that's good fun but yeah i agree i watch the i love watching the highlights every every monday morning here but yeah i don't know about watching the actual full race that's tough that's tough yeah well as an arsenal fan you want to be watching formula one that's probably the best thing to watch <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate, Sorry, didn't, but... didn't you watch the big one nil win against norwich <laughs> let's, let's not talk. Let's not talk Arsenal. Let's, let's let's give you a break from that. Um, but back to back to the back to the question from Tom. I know we're we're having a laugh, but um, uh, yeah, like uh, we've got Steve Lewis Hamilton, who's who I've had on previously, and I've got him back on with another guy who he knows. And we're talking like about um, betting psychology. We're talking about his years in the industry and just because and teamwork because he's been working with other people just because uh it's really important aspect and overlooked aspect you know we, we speak to people and they say how do you win and what's your process and tell us about your biggest win and that's all you're know, often very interesting but what we don't know is like what are the biggest challenges you've had like psychologically how do you cope with losing you know what's the value in teamwork you know what's the network you need around you and uh those kind of things to to kind of get under the skin of what it's like to be a pro punter um, and I recorded another one on Friday with Miguel from Winnerods, Miguel Figueres from Winnerods. And um, he's fascinating. He really is. He's a professional punter himself, betting on tennis. Um, so we got into his betting on tennis, where he got into it. He built an algorithm, artificial intelligence. So he's a very, very clever guy. Um, built a platform around, around beating the bookmaker on tennis. He did it on other things uh, earlier in his life and not, not surrounding round and betting so he's got a real talent for kind of you know problem solving and working out an edge in, in certain markets and uh he also is what's interesting about him is he's also got um he's part of the stuffing going on in spain taking on bookmakers court action uh with and i referenced mm. it on on twitter earlier this week um like this this it seems to be a bit of a focal point in spain that's just from what i understand the consumer law there is quite strong um mm. protecting customers and there is ongoing cases involving, I think, nine bookmakers. You could you could only speak about one, uh, Bet365, because the other eight has got something going on with them. Um, but it's really interesting to learn about why they are being challenged and how you know he's, him and others have been able to have accounts unrestricted and where the cases are actually going at the moment. So 
Uh, for those people who are, or most people watching this probably are, have had or worried about uh, account limitations or closures, then it should provide a little bit of inspiration on what someone else is doing on, on that front. Yeah, no, that's that's terrific, mate. Uh, lastly, we've got Dan Smith. He says, any decent stats sites for US horse racing? The time form's good for the UK. I don't know about the US. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Dan, mate. Uh, anyway, I think that just about does us. Uh, as, well, as Pete mentioned before, smartbettingclub.com, uh, SBC Info on Twitter. That's right, isn't it? That's it. SB, at SBC Info, yeah. Yeah, and as as we mentioned, yeah, check out the podcast, YouTube channel, uh, always great stuff from the Smart Betting Club. But, yeah, thanks, everyone, for watching, and thanks, for Pete, for coming along today. You've been uh, terrific, insightful, as always. And uh, for people who are on the channel for the first time, do all the good stuff, please. Give it a like, give it a subscribe. And, uh, yeah, we should have, as always, have lots of new content coming out over the over the coming weeks. Uh, next week on Sunday streams, I think, I think I'm going to take the week off, going to take a nice little uh, Monday morning to myself or Sunday night for you guys. So won't be back next week, but, um, yeah, sure we'll be back Sundays to follow with, with all the good stuff. But, yeah, thanks again, Pete, and, uh, yeah, have a good one. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me on.